It's Tuesday, May 2nd, and this is the Red Sea Roundup. I want to thank everyone for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Bovey. Today we're going to be visiting with Megan Silas, the original host of this show. And we're going to be talking to her a little bit about what it's been like for the last five years since she joined the Catholic Church, all the exciting things that have happened to her, and also this being still Easter. Happy Easter, everyone. What Happy it's like. Easter. Happy Easter. It's wonderful to be here. I also want to make sure that we welcome everyone that's listening to us on KEDC 88.5 FM, Hearn, Bryan College Station, and also all the folks in Central Texas who are listening to us on KYAR 98.3 FM, Narina Waco. And just remember that we're live, so if you have something that's going on in your parish that you want to let everybody know about, Feel free at any time to give us a call or if you want to just join in the conversation. Phone number here is 85-LOVE-RED-C. That's 855-683-7332. Good morning, Megan. Good morning, Dennis. And Thaddeus is here, too, although Thaddeus is going to have to share a microphone with Dennis if he wants to say anything. Good morning, Deacon Mike. Good morning, Deacon Mike. I like saying that. When I left, uh, the, you know, from College Station, you weren't a deacon yet, and so it's pretty exciting to use that title for you and to see that cross on your chest. And so, congratulations! I'll say publicly. I've said privately already, but uh, uh, it's just so wonderful for the church to have a wonderful person like you uh, being in that position. And we are very pleased to have him as our spiritual director as well. Well, you are blessed indeed. Well, oh, it, and it's so exciting to have a, a, a second station and more call letters to be uh, to be saying. That's uh, such a beautiful development that's happened in the last couple of years. And so, wow, wow, not even growing. that. Yeah, I know in the it last has few months. Well, it, that's when it's been realized. But I know the work and the groundwork, the foundation that was laid uh, was starting way before that. So, yes. well done, good Thank and faithful you. servant. Long, long effort, and we are actually next week we'll be traveling to Palestine to start up our third station there. Whoop! I know. So wow. it's, it's a little overwhelming, but uh, keep us in prayers, everyone. Keep us in your pocketbooks. We're starting a new drive for new monthly members, sustaining members. So if you uh, are not a monthly sustaining member for Red Sea Catholic Radio, we encourage you to do so. Uh, we uh, hate to say this, but we are at a 7,500 month, a month deficit. And so we need to really make up that gap to uh, keep up with our operating expenses. So uh, you know, with expansion becomes uh, a little bit of extra costs. And so we have $7,500 per month that we need to make up. So anybody out there that loves Red Sea Catholic Radio, we would love for you to be a part of our team by being a sustaining member. Go to our website at redsearadio.org and click on the donate button. You can do an ongoing monthly donation from the website right there. And this is one of the things Marion and I were talking about last night. We were driving home and listening to the radio. And just the people that I know, the impact Catholic radio has made on their life, on their faith, over the few years Mm -hmm. that it's been in our community. Dennis has done such a wonderful job in starting it, in promoting it, in building it. But Dennis can't do it by himself. 
Yeah, thanks be to God. <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't be around if Dennis were doing it by himself, I promise. Well, I think a lot of times when someone is deciding to give uh, money to something like Catholic Radio, often you say, well, does it bless me? Have I been blessed by Catholic Radio? And if you say yes, then you're willing to you know, give some money. But I think in a, an adventure like this, it's really also even more about, am I? is it building the kingdom? Is it growing uh, faithful Catholics bringing people into the faith that maybe would have never considered it otherwise, um, growing um, deeper, more informed Catholics so that they can therefore go out and evangelize. So if, you know, you really as a Christian have it on your heart to answer that call to build Christ's kingdom, this is such a powerful way that you can do that by uh, supporting Catholic Radio. So one of the neat things is we actually have had a Methodist pastor in the central Texas area recommend to his his people in his parish, his flock, that they listen to 98.3 FM. So Does he realize how dangerous that is? <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think he's listening himself, so I think he does, yes. Well, that's good. Maybe he'll come bring, bring a whole bunch with him someday when he comes in. That's, that's our prayer, you know, and so anyone that's listening, we really would love your support. This is not a radiothon, but we are asking for your prayerful consideration of giving a monthly sustaining gift because that's what keeps us going and keeps us on the air. Well, awesome. All right. So before we get too far in, because I I know that it's really on my heart to uh, offer this prayer for a a really special little girl, a dear friend of mine's granddaughter is having heart surgery today. And um, so since I had the opportunity to be on the air and uh, get some more prayer warriors uh, with me, I would ask if maybe we could just take a moment to pray for uh, little Genevieve, who's three years old and is going to be having heart surgery today. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the healer. You are the divine physician. And we just ask that your hand be upon Genevieve today, that you would just bring your healing to her heart. We're, we just boldly ask for a miracle today, if it be your will, Lord Jesus, that you would just completely fix what is wrong in her heart, Lord. But if, it, if that's not your will, whatever it would be, we pray that uh, for her safety, we pray for um, her peace, the peace for her and for her entire family, that they would know that you have her in your, your precious hands, that you have her. And we just pray for the hands of those physicians, that they would be sure and steady, and that all would go well, that there would be no complications. We just pray that you be in that room with them, that be holding Genevieve's hand, be guiding the hands of the surgeons, and also that your Holy Spirit would be just surrounding the entire family and giving them that peace that can only be brought through your Spirit. We just offer it all up to you through the intercession of the Blessed Mother. And we pray and thank you for the great work that you're going to do in that little girl's life today. We praise and adore you, and thank you once more. Amen. 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 The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Well, thank you. And again, a quick reminder that if there's anything going on in your parish community that you want to share with the people in our listening area, the phone number here is 85-LOVE-RED-SEA, 855-683-7332. Feel free to give us a call. And I've noticed that everything's starting to wind down a little bit at our parish. We're nearing the end of the school year, so we're nearing the end of religious education. Um, matter of fact, tomorrow— The end of formal well, religious education, right? Before right. the parents really take it up at home. Exactly. <laughs> the parents, of course, are going to step up and make sure that the kids continue their formation throughout the summer. 
Um, but we're going to have a May crowning mass tomorrow at St. Anthony's at 6 p.m. to officially close our uh, year. And um, I think that's a wonderful, since my, uh, May is the month of Mary, it's a wonderful opportunity to remind everyone in our parish that it's a special month set aside to pray to Mary, to remember that she is the icon of the church and that uh, she is the exemplar of everything that we are intended to be and should strive for. Uh, I also wanted to mention that uh, St. Anthony's will be offering um, the year two classes for catechetical formation. Uh, We're going to be offering the Old Testament course on Wednesdays during June. So every Wednesday in June from 6 to 10 p.m., we will have those at St. Anthony's. And in the fall, we'll be offering the New Testament Christology classes on Tuesday nights. So if there's any uh, catechists out there that are working on their um, certification, they're uh, welcome to sign up, and also anyone that's interested in learning more about their faith. Also, um, I'm sure that um, everyone in Bryan College Station is aware that uh, May 21st is our bazaar at St. Anthony's, so uh, all are invited to come out for that. And if you're a member of St. Anthony's, I know they can still use help with uh, auction items and with uh, the uh, meals for the wine and dine. So um, check the bulletin to see what you can do to help and feel free to call the office if you have any questions. But this is our big bazaar for the year. And uh, it is a wonderful experience if you have not been there. And if you uh, haven't, I welcome uh, all of you all to come out and check it out. Yeah, lots of fun. I love going to that. I, I lo- and it's always nice to have that opportunity to celebrate Mass outside. Um, there, there's just a, a real special spirit to being in God's creation and, and celebrating that Mass. So, uh, yeah, and, you're still doing that, right? Oh, we're still doing that. <laughs> Indeed. And, and St. Joseph's actually has their festival coming up this weekend on Sunday, May 7th. So uh, check that out. Uh, the uh, festivities beginning at 11 a.m. with their barbecue dinner and live and silent auctions. Very similar feel and, and, and flow as the St. Anthony's event. But theirs is coming up at the same location. It's St. Anthony's Pavilion. But we let St. Jo- in, in great working together uh, spirit. St. Anthony's has their pavilion out there. But St. Joseph's holds their, has, ooh, holds their festival there every year, uh, just a couple of weeks before St. Anthony. So May 7th is a great opportunity to go out there and go again two weeks later on May 21st. Yes. I mean, it's two whole weeks between eating barbecue. You shouldn't even have to go that long. Right. If you're a real Texan, you shouldn't. Actually. Exactly. There's some rule. You know, I, I actually have not really found my barbecue place. You know, we've lived in Cyprus now for about two years and I do not have a go-to barbecue and I feel the lack. I really yeah. do. I, I need to. I need to get that going. Well, you're here in town now. Yes, I am. So you know. Well, the problem in this town is there's so many good choices. Yeah. Well, we won't get into that. We're a non-commercial no. station, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and um, I'm sure if you've been listening to the radio, you have heard that Pope Francis visited Egypt, and. Um, he was invited to uh, go there, and um, being Pope Francis, of course, uh, it was amazing that um, 
he chose not to use the armored Pope mobile, mm-hmm. but again cruised through town in a fiat. And um, but he took the opportunity to challenge the religious leaders in Egypt. And here's a quote: He said, "As religious leaders, we are called, therefore, to unmask the violence that masquerades as purported sanctity." We have an obligation to denounce violations of human dignity and human rights, to expose attempts to justify every form of hatred in the name of religion, and to condemn these attempts as idolatrous caricatures of God. The thought I had when I read this, and this was in the New York Times, was that one of the things that we have done in our culture is not so much removed God from religion removed God from politics, removed God from schools. What we have done is removed God from the image and likeness in the person standing across from us. And I think one of the things Pope Francis should be commended for is that he never loses sight of the fact that every person, no matter how much we disagree with them, is created in the image and likeness of God and therefore is due our respect even if we disagree with them. And it is only when we treat that person as that image and likeness of God that we have the opportunity to speak to them in truth. Because if we are seeing them as enemies, they don't want to hear from us and we don't want to hear from them. And so I think one of the things that is important for us to remember, especially if we look around our political arena and even the news media, and even Catholic news, we can tend to demonize everyone that disagrees with us rather than speaking to them as children of God that disagree with us. And I think it's important to remember that no one is going to speak to us if we're just yelling at them and telling them that they're wrong. So there needs to be a dialogue, and we can all learn something from Pope Francis that We can disagree with people, but we need to keep the channels of communication open in order to communicate the disagreement rather than just yelling and screaming, which is what we do most of the time. Yeah, I do think that um, in, you know, recent days, uh, we have actually lost the ability to have discourse. Like, it's, it's almost like you can't do what you don't know how to do, Um, and this is something, you know, when we talk about parents at home, you know, being part of their the catechesis of their children, it's not just about teaching them the tenets of the faith. It's about teaching someone, teaching your children how to have a discussion that you can even feel emotional, maybe, but not allow that emotion to overwhelm your reason and to be able to have a discussion that can be informative, be to the other person can have a sharing, a true sharing of information with respect, even if you disagree. Um, so when you do, can't even do that in your own interpersonal relationships with the person, people that are closest to you, the people that are in your daily lives, how then can we be expected to do it on a grand scale where such atrocities are happening? So it's, it's, it's almost like when you talk about, you know, the subsidiarity and, and the solidarity thing where if you can't do the local, you're not going to be able to do the global. So when some people are saying, think are thinking, well, this is outside of my realm. I'm not out there, you know, making some kind of, uh, 
you know, diplomatic uh, gestures towards uh, Muslims who are doing these things. What are you doing right in your own home? What are you doing right in your own community? Are you having conversations that are respectful, that are, that are, you know, say you got your next door neighbor who you happen to be super conservative and they are happen to be super liberal. Are you able to have a discussion with them without saying, you know, they don't get it and they're idiots or anything like that? If we can't practice these things as Christians in our own lives, what, what witness are we going to be to the world? And this is why it's so important to remember why the church teaches that the family is the domestic church, how the family goes, society right. goes. And when you look at, you know, all the divorces based on irreconcilable differences. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Well, what that means is that there is a discussion there that no one can just say we agree to disagree and still love the other, which is ultimately what is going to re- be required in a lot of these instances where we do have opposite understandings of how we think our life should go, mm-hmm. but we agree to work together. Right. This and- literally happened in my house yesterday. My husband and I, we just, we saw something differently. Like he had an opinion, I had an opinion. And, you know, finally I just said, look, I just don't think we see this the same way. We just have a difference of opinion. And he responded, yeah, and that's okay. And that was the end of the story. <laughs> and it should be okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's... Uh, if we cannot do that in our families, how in the world are we going to do that in our culture? Because if I can't get along with the people I love, I'm definitely not going to get along with the people I don't even like. True story. Although I have to say, it is difficult to see what's happening to Christians around the world and to know what do we do? What's the right answer? What's the what's the faithful Christian answer? Sometimes defending the defenseless is the right answer, but how does that look? And, and those are things that are, are big questions and difficult questions and things that we really just need to pray a lot about. But above all things, Christians should be recognizable for the way they live their lives. And especially, I've looked on discussion boards on Catholic websites, and the disrespect for differing opinions, even disrespect of the opinions of the Pope— when you see people yeah. saying, you know, this so-called pope and on a religious discussion board, that should not happen. We should respect the other. We should see them as the image and likeness of God. And especially on Christian and Catholic websites, there should be a tone of respect. There should be a tone of love. Absolutely. And if that's missing in our Christian culture, how do we expect it to exist in the culture at large? You know what I'm well, Doesn't so Paul excited. say something about that? If I if I'm, you know, I can be speak with tongues of angels and mm-hmm. if I have not love, I'm a clanging gong. What's so, so yeah. exciting about Catholic radio is it does that very thing. And it it does create that atmosphere of discussion and openness to the other's opinion. I mean, what do we hear on Catholic Answers Live? Only a call-in show at at times for those that are of the pro-choice persuasion or those that are anti-Catholic. We welcome that discussion. And and that's one of the neat things that if you're not Catholic, if you're trying to evangelize non-Catholics with Catholic radio, I oftentimes start with look at radio today, look at the media today, look at the divisions that we Mm -hmm. have, specifically in, in talk radio, even in sports talk radio, for goodness sakes. It's so angry. 
And so what's so nice about Catholic radio, it gives a nice positive perspective where everyone can share their opinion and open dialogue in love and share what's on their heart and come to understand the other person. So that's one great way that you can out there as our listener approach others when uh, evangelizing them through Catholic radio. And that's a perfect segue into the break, don't you think? Exactly. So we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and talk to Megan a little bit about being a Catholic for five years now. Listening to KDC 88.5 FM Hearn Bryan College Station and Central Texas is KYAR 98.3 FM Lorena Waco. And again, our phone number here is 85 Love Red Sea 855 683 7332. And this is the Red Sea Roundup. And I want to welcome back Megan Silas, the original host of the Roundup. How's it going? It's going great. Since I was here, y'all changed the music and it's a lot more rocking than it used to be. Are you feeling like you need to wake people up a little more than you did when I was here? The host. They thought they <laughs> needed to make sure the host was awake. <laughs> but it's great to be back. You know, I, I I have to say just right up front, I miss being here. I, I you know, I loved coming here all the time and uh, it was uh, such a joy for me, uh, not only to be on the air, but to do all the other stuff that I was involved with, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes. So uh, it's just a delight to be back. So thanks for having me. It is great to have you here again, because um, this show was sort of your brainchild. And uh, we were uh, talking before the break about how much benefit people get from having Catholic radio because the tone is different from anything else out there. And so, uh, especially a show like this, it, uh, it's about local issues, but it's also about the church at large mm-hmm. and the opportunity to talk about issues that people might not either think about or talk about, uh, like your story and coming into the church. And um, my question was uh, mainly— What's it been like the five years since you came in at the Easter Vigil? How do you see your life being changed by your faith? Well, I think that, um, I mean, it changed radically um, when I was called to become Catholic. Uh, that that began a, a really profound process in my life. It wasn't like, um, you know, it was, it was sort of something that I just kind of, came to and felt like, all right, well, I'm just going to do this and it's just going to, you know, be integrated as part of whatever my normal life is and and just be a little piece of that. No, it was a radical, you know, 180 degree um, change in my life um, to get, feel called to this faith. And um, for folks who aren't familiar with my story, um, I was actually baptized Catholic um, as a baby, but my parents weren't practicing Catholics, but my mom was Italian. So, you know, it was kind of expectation that you would get your child baptized. Um, And so she did that. But then when I was four, uh, my parents uh, became born again, evangelical Christians. And um, 
I was raised in that tradition um, my my entire youth, and then uh, as I you know went away to school and you know life got busier and things, I never um, really engaged uh, after my high school years in in more formal faith setting. I you know one of the sort of nice I'm doing the air quotes nice things about being a Protestant is that you can just do that me and Jesus thing and being part of a um, Christian community uh, isn't essential. Of course, it, it you know it's common and, and encouraged, but it's not essential. And so I took that non-essential aspect and ran with it, and just kind of you know said prayers on my own and uh, sort of maintained my relationship with the Lord that way. But as I um, got older and uh, sort of progressed um, in contemplating the things of God, uh, I sort of intellectualized myself into a state of agnosticism for several years and where I ceased praying um, at all, except I would say nighttime prayers with my kids because I wanted to give them a chance at faith, even if I had lost mine. Um, But uh, through a really profound uh, conversion experience, which I'm not going to go into because I've already done it on one show, and it would take up our whole time. Uh, I got called not only back to Christ, but back, but to the Catholic Church, which I was never expecting. But um, the understanding of Christ in the Eucharist, for me, um, really was huge. And Mike was there the night I came into the church. He was my RCIA director, which I really, really feel was a just divine intervention that got me over there to St. Anthony's since I was living in College Station. So, you know, generally it would have made more sense for me to be a little closer to home for RCIA. But God really uh, put Mike in my life as a perfect uh, foil to my brain as far as uh, someone who really likes to discuss um theological things. And often, you know, after RCIA was over, you know, we'd have like an hour and a half, two hour RCIA class. And, you know, I just be like, um, Mike, so what about this? Or let's talk about this. And then there ensue another maybe hour long conversation about um, various things, which um, I think, you know, often where his wife was like, can we go now, please? <laughs> Does he not give it up to this church? But but she was very gracious. And, uh, and I just enjoyed those conversations so much. And so from the very beginning, um, that sense of learning and wanting to grow deeper in the faith. And then the Eucharist, you know, when I received Christ the first time at the Easter Vigil, like the term I used often to describe it is it wrecked me. Like I just lost it. Like it was so overwhelming, so powerful. And um, the amazing thing about that is that five years later, it can still wreck me. You know, I, I never take it for granted ever but it obviously not every time is it going to have the same power, but it, uh, that I feel, you know, I know that it has the same power in the grace that it brings, but I still, uh, I long for it. I still, um, just am in awe of the fact that, uh, I have the ability to receive it. So in that, and, and I don't separate that from, from being Catholic. Like it's like, it is this church and this faith that, allows that to come to me. And so um, to be able to receive my Lord and Savior physically um, as well as spiritually and the church that allows it to happen is so precious to me. And and so that just continues. And, and so uh, I love meeting more and more Catholics and there's so much variety there. Um, that's the thing. I mean, I think coming into the church at first, it was it was like overwhelming. 
you know, there's so much you could do. You know, I remember talking to you about like, there's no time. There's not enough time for it all. I mean, we've got liturgy, the hours here and chaplets here and rosaries there and novenas and blah, it's, it's all over the place. And how you, how you take it all in? How do you, and, and so at first I was, there was almost like, I don't, I don't know where to start. But Best answer is you allow God to sift it for you. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's the thing. Um, devotions that aren't inspired by the Lord will fall by the wayside. Um, if you, if it's just be like, oh, I see so-and-so does this, and uh, you know, I, I guess that's what you need to do if you, to be a good Catholic. That's a term I've come to not like, yeah. actually. He's a good Catholic. What does that mean? What does being a good Catholic mean? Well, so often it is directed at the wrong things. The person may be a good Catholic, but the things that are being noticed may not necessarily be the things that make you a good Catholic. Right, absolutely. And so sometimes I think we, because there are so many um, exterior devotions that you can see, and there, there's this tangibility to the faith, which is beautiful, um, but we can maybe get a little too caught up in that sometimes and, and start judging people's spirituality based on what they see um, as far as what they're doing. And that's another thing um, that I've learned. You know, there are, I will say there are sort of like kind of like these stereotypes of, of people within the Catholic church. And one of those is the doers, like the, the Martha type, right? They're just doing, 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 doing. And um, sometimes, you know, I'll be like, at a meeting where we're getting something going, where we're, we're organizing something or whatever. And I'll be like, well, um, could we just stop right now and pray for a second? And like everyone, the, the doers are, what, what, wait, wait a second. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think we should probably do that. Shouldn't we? You know? And so it, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, we've got a phone call. So why don't we go to Judy who's calling in? Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Judy. How are you? Oh man, I'm I'm doing great. I'm sitting on my patio. I got a cup of coffee. I'm watching the birds and listening to the show. And uh, I was just overwhelmed that y'all uh, segued immediately into the Eucharist. Hey, hey, Megan, how you doing? Hey, Judy. It's so good to hear from you. You sound like you're now. You're a doer, girl, and you're living. Sound like you're living a life of leisure based on what you just described. I know that's not your usual day to day. Well, I I usually have a little patio prayer time, and uh, knowing that y'all were going to be on, you were going to be on today, I decided to share my time by listening to what y'all were talking about and. Um, I just wanted to, uh, first of all, thank Mike and everyone at every parish who's involved in RCIA in any way, shape, or form. And uh, listeners, it's just the best thing you could do for yourself is to be a part of the RCIA program. Uh, What I wanted to say uh, for those who are, as you said, practicing Catholics, uh, sometimes our faith of what we think we know and what we think we believe is uh, illuminated and magnified by those who are learning. And Megan, um, I was just in the choir loft this past weekend talking about you came into the church at the Easter vigil and in uh, 
towards the end of the summer, everyone, every program is being promoted and come and join RCIA. And I can still see you standing there mm-hmm. talking. And because this is a radio show, you'll have to listen to my description of the visual. But you were inviting people to join RCIA and you started talking about being able to receive the Eucharist for the first time. <clears throat> it makes me a little emotional. <laughs> uh, and you showed from the pulpit, and I can't tell you what joy it was to go from, and you cross your arms across your chest as you're supposed to, to only receive a blessing when you can't receive the Blessed Sacrament, to go from this and put your hands out as if you were receiving the Eucharist. And it was, it was like a lightning bolt that hit me, like how many times perhaps I've gone through the motions of the receive, of receiving the Eucharist and not truly enter into what's going on. And uh, through that example, it really changed me for life, I hope. <laughs> um, so being around uh, RCIA and helping other people walk that journey. It's just, uh, it's the best gift that someone could give themselves. So I thank y'all for that. Uh, Well, thank you for calling and sharing that. And I'm so glad that that blessed you. Now it's funny because I actually look back on that and think um, it's a little bit uh, in God's timing because now I actually receive the Eucharist on my tongue. And so that wouldn't have been as relevant to me. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, but when I first came into the church, I received in the hand. So I think, you know, God, he does, maybe he wanted me to be receiving the hand for that period of time because he wanted me to make that motion that was going to be meaningful to (laughs) some people in that, in that uh, parish that day. He certainly is a god of details. So, uh, thank you, thank you, Red Sea Radio. Thank you, listeners. We, uh, as Dennis was saying, we do need uh, to increase our monthly donors. So, I hope that this show will give people the inspiration to step it up a bit. So, God bless y'all. Have a good morning. Thanks so much for calling, Judy. Thank you, Judy, for all you, you do. Bet. All right. Bye bye. Bye. That was great. Yeah. So interestingly, um, so after coming into the, um, you know, at the Easter Vigil, and and this is the perfect period of time to be talking about this because we're preparing for Pentecost. um, I actually entered into a a really sort of intense time of prayer between the Vigil and Pentecost of asking the Lord how he wanted me to to use me. Now, I was like, you've brought me to this church. I'm into this, you know, I'm in here and I want to serve you. You got to tell me what to do. I mean, just I need, I need some marching orders, and um, so it was that process of prayer that led me to the radio station. It was literally like a couple days after Pentecost. I was driving my car, uh, saw one of the Red Sea bumper stickers, and got one of those. There, that's where you need to go, and uh, so yeah, that that's uh, he answers those prayers when you really. Ask him. And I remember the day vividly when you came to my office, or you came to the wrong office first. Yeah, first. <laughs> but then came here and just said, I have all this energy. I have this, 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 and this, and we have these plans and I have these ideas. And I was just like, oh, I don't know what to do with this lady. I don't, you know, <laughs> she's, uh, I'm glad she's fired up, but I'm not sure how I can use you. And well, you really hid that well, though, because you actually said to me, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I was very <laughs> glad you were here, but I'm just, I was freaking out. I didn't know. <laughs> You know, it's like, wow, okay, um, how do I deal with all this energy and how do I, you know, and go with it? And boy, we 
we, I think we're able to funnel that and do yeah, some great things. A lot things. of beautiful stuff happened. So I think, you know, when we talk about the beginning of my um, years in the church, those first few years really were very much ordered towards serving through the, the station. Um, and I really had no doubt that that was a call from God, that he wanted me here and, and that I was here to do whatever you know, he needed and whatever <laughs> through whatever Dennis needed. And yeah. uh, so it, that was, a, it was just a true joy. Um, that's the thing about God when he, I think so many times people are afraid of what God might ask of them. There's this fear that if I really give myself over to him, he's going to ask these big things, these hard things, these things that are going to make me have to give up stuff or change my life or things like that. The beautiful thing about God is he, he's so tender and gentle, but when he, when he has work for you to do, like he'll give you joy in it. It's, it doesn't become a burden and it might be something big and it might be something that causes you to have to change your life radically, but there'll be joy in it and you'll want to do it. And it won't be like some burden. It'll be something that you are excited about and, and you feel the purpose of it and you feel the rightness of it. Because I think so many times when we're struggling, it's because we don't feel we've found our place. We feel we're, we're, we're just not connected to the desires of our heart. We're not connected to um, feeling like we're, we're doing, we're living in God's will. And so when you get those calls that are clear and then you say yes, that's when you, everything just sort of feels like it drops into place and, and it's not an effort as much as a joy. And I think this is the the one thing that differentiates the relationship with God with any other relationship we can have, because with God, it isn't a temporary feeling that you get when you're doing the right thing. Right. It is a joy that permeates your life. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not that, you know, I had a bowl of ice cream, I'm happy. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. And no matter how stressful it gets, no matter how much work it is, no matter, you know, it's the right thing. Right. And you feel it. Yeah. That sense of purpose. I think God really has built within the human psyche, a need to feel a sense of purpose. And when you're living out a purpose that's ordained for you by God, because all God has given all of us a vocation that he wants for us, things he wants us to do. And when we're in that, we feel that piece of purpose. And I think, um, so I, I have seen, as I've, you know, kind of been in the Catholic world, you know, something that I w- would call white knuckling it in their faith, you know, like just, I got to do this because I, this is the right thing. I, I think it's the, you know, I know it, it must be the right thing because this is so-and-so is telling me or, or, or I've somehow made it in my mind that it's the right thing to be doing, but I, I don't feel the joy of it. I don't feel the, even the desire for it, but I just got to white knuckle it. And I think, um, that might be the time for you to, if you're feeling that way, maybe to step back and, and be willing to say, to let go. If you're feeling like you're having to just hold on so tight and that you're white knuckling it, maybe God's really not calling you to that. Maybe that's not his plan for you. And that sort of willingness to just abandon it all. Um, I think that's a profound act of trust, a profound act of faith and that is pleasing. That is pleasing to God. So sometimes just the letting go is what he wants from you in the moment. 
And then I had to deal with that when we had to move, right? When I, I mean, that was hard. That was hard. I was about to say the same thing. It's, it's not easy to let go and, and really give others isn't. control and to, yeah. yeah. So we do miss you and we thank God for bringing you to Catholic Radio both five years ago and throughout and today as well. So, well, thanks. Yeah. It's very exciting to have you here. Thanks, Dennis. I mean, when we talk, when I talk about the letting go of, of leaving here, I mean, I was letting go of a lot. And because mm-hmm. one of the things I would say was so beautiful about coming into the church, and I do think that being part of the radio had a, had some to do with it, but it also had to do with the, just the beauty of the people here in College Station and Brian. Um, I was just embraced. You know, this newbie Catholic, you know, and sometimes converts, you know, let's be honest, sometimes converts can be a little, a little annoying. I mean, right? Sometimes a little overwhelming. Yeah, okay. But they can be annoying too, I'm sure. You know, this is, they come as like, they've got, they think they know it all sometimes, and you know, they don't know, you know, you, you know, some, you know, cradle Catholic, like, you don't know, you don't know what it's been like to have, you know, this going on for all these years, and, and you know, you're just new, and you'll see, or, or something like that. It's, sometimes it's, it's easy to have that kind of feeling, but um, I was just so welcomed by the community here, and just just felt the love of just come in, come in, yes, yes, you're you're part of the family, and and so I, to feel that love and to know that I could go to any of the parishes in town and see people I knew, um, see people who I could connect with, uh, with my faith, and and just really feel part of the Catholic community was beautiful. It was, I mean, I just. I can't say enough about um, just how welcoming this community was when I came into the church and in the years that followed. And so then to have to leave that, have to leave the work at the radio, which I loved, and sort of go off into the unknown, that was really, really tough. It was hard. And um, I think uh, God, he does bring us into those sort of desert times because I really look at the first year that I, after I moved as, as a desert time, um, I wasn't engaged in my parish. That, I mean, I was going, you know, to church and, you know, I was part of a Bible study and everything, but I just, I wasn't feeling like I belonged. I, there was something missing for me and I was, you know, missing being here and, and it just, wasn't connecting. But the beautiful thing is that during that period of time, when I didn't have a lot of consolations, that I had tons of consolations here, there was so much joy, there was so much I was doing, and friends that I was with, and and people who were walking with me along the faith. When that was gone, what did I have? I had the Lord. I had to go to Him. I I still had Him in the Eucharist. I, I still... And I also had my spiritual director, so I can't talk enough about spiritual direction. And we could, you know, I have done a whole show about it. It's funny because you could do a whole show about it. I have done a whole show about it, but you could do more um, because uh, during that period of dryness, um, of desolation, really, uh, of that desert time, um, having that spiritual guidance to walk me through that and to sort of see what God was trying to show me, to expose to me about um, where I needed to go deeper. Because this process of conversion, as you know, Mike, it doesn't end. No, shouldn't. Yeah. It's not like you come into the church and, you know, that's it. It's the end of the story. That's Coming into the church is the beginning of the story. And this is something I wanted to get back to. We had uh, 
sort of brushed over it when you talked about, you know, your conversion basically being a spiritual conversion, and then you entered into RCIA. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in, uh, important to point out that, um, and this goes right back to the church's teaching on faith and reason. I that love that teaching. We, But we come into our faith in two different ways. We either come in intellectually first, and then the spiritual side of it mm-hmm. takes hold, or we're hit with the Holy Spirit, and then we need to learn what that faith is all about. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about, you know, you had that sense of conversion, and then the faith was realized in an intellectual way mm-hmm. through RCIA. Right. Whereas for me, it's always been the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was cradle Catholic, and um, so the faith was there, but there wasn't any spiritual side to it. And then the intellectual side right. came, and then the spiritual side took right. hold. Well, one of my absolute favorite things whenever I'm talking about the Catholic faith is the the both and. I love the concept of the both and because so often it's the answer to every disagreement. Well, it's both and it's both and you don't have to decide one or the other. You don't have to just be some, uh, you know, heavy to mystic intellectual and you don't have to be some oh Franciscan flighty or something, which is what the other side thinks. Right. What I'm saying is those are the stereotypes yes. from the other side. Right. No, it's both. There's so much beauty. There's so much depth. There's there's just so much that it's both ends. So I would say, actually, for my own conversion, the um, uh, sort of groundwork that was laid before the Holy Spirit really called me was an intellectual groundwork. I had um, done some reading on the Reformation and had really started thinking about what's up, why, why did this split happen? What what is what are the traditional teachings of Christianity back from the beginning, and and when did they change? How did they change? Why did they change? And it was part of that process of of looking at those things and really trying to understand um, where these divisions started, what the root of them is, that I think started opening my heart to be able to hear what the Holy Spirit had to say to me. So um, it, it was the both and, because like that process of thinking about the Reformation and trying to conceive of what happened there really did get me thinking about the Eucharist a lot because this is so, so huge. Like um, I really started to think about how if this is true, this is, you know, prior to my conversion, if this is true, if this could possibly be true, why are Catholics not talking about this more? What's going on? I mean, do you really, if you really believe this, this is huge. This needs to be talked about. And so then, you know, at that stage, you're thinking, well, if it's not really transforming people to the point where they can't keep quiet about it, then maybe it's not true. I could kind of, but the thing is, there's this historical aspect of it that it's, it's really was the belief of early, early church. So there was that questioning, questioning. So I think, um, Anytime you find yourself questioning, sometimes people are afraid of that. Like, they're worried that it means they're doubting. Like, poor Thomas. He gets, like, a bad rap, right? Like, the, the doubting Thomas, as if that's a bad thing. D- 
doubting sometimes is the vehicle, I think, that God uses to speak to you. He takes you into that place of discomfort and says, let's look at this a little closer. I've got some things I want to teach you here. I think especially uh, when we talk about Thomas, um, I've always liked the He's referred to as the twin. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we read the New Testament, we see there's two totally different perspectives we're given on Thomas. We're given the perspective everyone is familiar with, and that is the doubting mm-hmm. after the resurrection. You know, I won't believe unless. Yet, if we go to John's uh, passion account, it is Thomas who says, then we will go and die with him. Mm. So I think it's the two sides of each of us as Catholics. There are the times that we're not sure. And there's the times that, yes, we right. will go die with him. Mm-hmm. And it isn't that we're two different people. It's that we don't always grasp the enormity of what we're presented with. And this, I think, is especially true in the Eucharist. Right, yeah. We don't always grasp that. That doesn't mean we don't believe it. Right, and honestly, can we even really grasp it? The full no. fullness of it? I mean, I think it's one of those things that can always, there's always more. They can always go deeper. It can always surprise you. you can, it's just that, and I think that's one of the things I will say, and I can see the clock that we're actually almost done, um, that I can say about the Catholic faith is that, um, when I back when I was in high school, I read the book The Brothers Karamazov, and uh, I remember the talk the the imagery of the onion of how there's layer after layer after layer, and, and that's the truth of the Catholic faith. There's so much depth. I know that I can spend my entire life in this faith and scratch the surface barely, and uh, and that's exciting and that's joyful and it's uh you just you never know what's around the corner of what um, the beauty and the richness of this faith is going to reveal. And uh, so I just continue to stand in awe of uh, the gift that I've been given to to be part of this church um, and to just continually be learning new things and, and know that there's more and more to learn. And it's just, it's awesome. But I think this is the wonderful thing about our faith is that once we come to realize we will never know it all, it presents an unending corridor of possibilities. Right, yeah. And, you know, it's when we start saying, you know, I'm done, I know everything I need to know, that we stop growing. But especially, you know, you've only been Catholic for five years, and there's this whole world of opportunity out there right. for things, and we haven't even started yet on, you know, you joined a new parish. Yeah, Y'all should do a show about that, by the way. The personal ordinary to the chair of St. Preacher is a great story. I'm at the cathedral now, Our Lady of Walsingham in Houston, and it's a beautiful, beautiful church, but it's one of these uh, wonderful things that uh, that really works towards unity within the Christian faith. Uh, Pope Benedict established it um, for Anglican churches that wanted to come into full communion with the church, and the idea of unity was really a big thing that brought me into the Catholic faith. So to be involved in that has been really beautiful, and, and that was another thing where I was kind of fighting becoming a member of that parish because it's a bit farther from my house than a couple other parishes, and but I just felt called. I felt called, but I was like, no, I should stay closer to home. But finally, when I just 
acquiesced and said, all right, you know what? I just really feel like I'm called to be here and said, yes, just things just started falling into place. I, I felt home. I felt at home. I started getting involved and, and just doors were opening. So that's the way it is. You know, when you, when you give the yes to the, to what God is calling you to, then the opportunities come and you feel the peace and you feel the joy that he wants for you. So, uh, I've been uh, experiencing that this past year and, and it's been a wonderful thing. And I'm just, uh, so grateful to God for his, his, um, generosity and graciousness. But that goes right back to the unlimited opportunities to expand our horizons in our faith. And, uh, many people don't know about the extraordinary, the, the chair Saint the ordinary, Pe- ordinary yeah. chair, uh, chair of St. Peter, because, you know, it hasn't been talked up that much, but it's, the church is always growing. Absolutely. The, it's always expanding, even when we only see it as, you know, sort of being stagnant and it mm. is never stagnant. No, not at all. Not at all. And so, yeah, there's just a, so much joy there and uh, I just can't wait to see what's around the next corner. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm in that uh, process of, uh, that pre-Pentecost process again of saying, Lord, you know, I'm not sure where exactly you want to use me right now. Um, so just show me and, uh, and I hopefully uh, will see it and give my yes when I, when I hear it. And I think Pentecost is a wonderful reminder that there's the beauty of Easter, but there's always something more. Yeah. There's always something else coming. And, um, all of our, in our faith, we need to remember that, you know, if you've come into the church, that's only the beginning. Right. You know, I just love Peter after Pentecost. He is on fire. He's just out there saying what needs to be said. And and we as Christians need to be out there too, uh, just proclaiming the goodness and the glory of God and uh, the beauty of the Catholic faith. So, Well, Megan, thank you very much for being here. It is always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. We can probably do this for hours on end. (laughs) We could. But uh, Thaddeus is going to cut us off, so we are probably going to have to end. So I would like to welcome you all back to tune in next week. And thank you for tuning in today. Next week, Gene Wilhelm will be your host at the Red Sea Roundup with guest Adam Earhart talking about St. Francis de Sales and Mary. Until then, when calculating the many ways you might share your time, talents, and treasure with the people of God, always round up. Tell, what are you waiting for?